Hello, welcome to Flourishing Education, the podcast that hosts powerful, imperfectly perfect conversations and shines the light on amazing individuals and their work in order to empower young people, teachers, educators, leaders and parents to live a happy and fulfilled life and most importantly, to flourish. We really hope you enjoy all our conversations. Welcome to another Powerful Imperfectly Perfect conversation for the Flourishing Education podcast. Today we're going to mix things up a bit and rather than me introducing my guest, I'm going to invite my lovely guest Florence to introduce herself. So hello and a warm welcome to the podcast. Thank you Fabienne, it's lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me um, to be a guest on your podcast. So just a quick introduction. Um, my name is Florence, Florence Okwasogu, and I am a coach for stressed out teachers who want to become the boss of their life and create a life that really loves them back so that they can thrive and be in, in health and well-being. Amazing. So my first, the first thing that comes for me when I hear you know, empowering stressed out teachers to become their own boss. Yeah. Um, does that mean that they tend to leave education or do they stay? <laughs> I don't like to say it's one or the other. I think being a boss of your own life gives you the power to choose what works best for you. Um, and for each person that is going to be unique. So I'm not here to say that teachers should leave education. If it works for them and they're able to do it in a way which allows them to thrive and take ownership of their their life and their health then you know all power to them you know stay um continue doing the amazing work that teachers want to to do and and um should have the opportunity to do but at the same time it could mean scaling back and going part-time or it could mean totally leaving and doing something outside of education that maybe still has a link to education so there's no clear-cut answer <laughs> yes and so very much you know what I believe which is we all we're all unique right and yes. we just have to find what works for us as individuals um fabulous and and then you use the word stressed out teachers so could we explore your own experience of, of working with stressed out teachers? Because I'm currently on a one-year career break. Mm. You know, I have taken a, a career break from higher education because yeah. I felt partly, I mean, this is partly the reason. There are other reasons, but one of the reasons was after COVID, I really felt like the lemon had been squeezed enough. Um, and I did say, you know, to, to many of my colleagues, I felt like I've given a lot of my juice, there's no more, and I'm not giving the skin and the pips with it. Um, and that's the, the, what I said. Uh, I really felt like I needed to re rejuvenate in some way and take a bit of a, you know, to, to, because to me, to give in education, to be a teacher, to fully be present and be of service to your students, um, then you need to be flourishing. So, you know, I talk yeah. about flourishing education, being flourishing students and staff. Mm. Um, 
So I'd love your take on, on that your, from your own you know, experience of working with stressed out teachers. Um, definitely. I think that stress is just, it seems so apparent and so obvious within the education system um, at the moment. And, you know, so many teachers are um, considering leaving because the environment is so pressurized, it's so demanding. So when I think about stress, that's really what it is. It's um, looking at the ability for the person to be able to cope with the demands and the pressures um, that are being placed upon them. And sometimes those demands and pressures can also come from within us, not just externally as well. So that's, that's the other factor. If I, if I think back to my experience of being a stressed out teacher, especially when I completed my PGCE, um, whilst there were demands on me from the outside, there were definitely things going on within me that added to the stress. And that after I did experience burnout, I had to go back and I had to work on those internal stresses. Um, so a lot of the time when I, I work with people, regardless of whether they're teachers, because you know I don't just work with teachers and I haven't only just worked with teachers, um, the human condition, I guess, in, in the modern era is we are just prone to stress and as a, as a consequence of that burnout. And a lot of that um, comes from how we are interacting with, with life, how we're interacting with work, um, how we're interacting with ourselves and our own psychology, how we're interacting with our past experiences. So I really like to, um, dig deeper and explore the psychology of each individual that I work with. Yes, there are similarities in relation to the ecosystem, but as I mentioned before, we're also very unique. And what one person can manage, another person might not be able to manage so well because they have a different set of resources available to them. They've got a different set of life experiences available to them. So it is really a... Um, individualized and personalized approach that I that I use when I'm working with um, my clients. Wow, that, that feels really nice as you say that's this sort of like giving that being given the space to explore mm. um, and and again you know that pressurize so one of the things that I've really noticed working in education is that really that pressurized environment and that stress is mm. not conducive to what you describe, which is, mm. you know, knowing who we are as individuals, yeah. Yeah. knowing our psychology um, and, and, and being aware of our response to the external stressors, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so do you want to talk to that? Yeah, but it's, it's, it's a very, very interesting um, conundrum, actually, because, you know, um, we do say that teaching is a, a reflective profession, um, but as other people have commented on, the reflection is really around how good or bad our last lesson was and, you know, how well we are at meeting targets and things like that. There's really no space to reflect on ourselves as individuals. Um, 
actually, I'm going to take that back and say the only time that we do reflect on ourselves as individuals is in relation to how good or bad the lesson was. So <laughs> I had a good lesson. I must be a fantastic teacher, you know, and if I get ones all the time, even better, I'm an amazing um, teacher and you know if I get a satisfactory or poor oh my gosh that must mean that I'm a terrible human being and you know I'm I'm a failure and you know all all of that that comes with it um, so outside of that there's really no opportunity to reflect on self um, and that's because as you said it's so pres pressurized and it's so driven by um, outcomes and you know delivery by certain um, set times and things like that but there should be there should be moments allocated to um, step back because we sleep because our body needs us to sleep in order to process we rest because our our body needs us to rest in order to process um, yet we don't we don't ever factor into factor in rest within education is like the bell goes and then we kind of like run from one space to another and we put on another hat and we're in front of another set of, of students there's there's no time to um stop and think and reflect and that's definitely one of the the things that block us from utilizing our resources and able to manage our stress and our workload we're not able to think we're being so reactive Yes, that reactiveness and the, and then there's the, you know, you go home and you've got to yeah. then do you work or more work, prepare mm. your lessons, do your mm. marking, all of those things. And yeah. it just feels, you know, it always, it's always made me really laugh and, and almost smile because uh, people think that when you, you're, you're, you're in, you know, in, te in the teaching profession, um, you're always on holidays so like this notion that oh but you know you 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 don't work that many weeks of the year mm. um, and you've got all the school holidays and you know and you finish at three o'clock um <laughs> yes and so and the listeners you 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 have you won't have the the visuals but Florence's face said it all really I don't think uh, we um, so, so what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that the schedule is is also not? I mean, you've already said that the you know we move. I call that being on the hamster wheel. So, yeah. like literally, I remember you know when I was well, before COVID, leaving home at like half mm -hmm. six, seven o'clock, arriving home at six o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I mean it's been a long time since I've worked full time. Um, but I can remember, I can remember it very, very well, I, especially as a, an NQT, you know, you feel that you've got so much to prove. Um, I can remember being in early and being one of the last people out, you know, the caretaker had to throw me out because I was, you know, still on the ground, um, going home, sometimes being up 12 o'clock, one o'clock, you know, preparing materials just trying to give my all be my best be that person um and it's it's actually not just the timetable it's the the mindset and the culture within education which means that it's normalized that is normalized and in many ways it's expected um expected and accepted 
that's just what you have to do. You know, you go home, you do a bit more lesson planning, you do some marking. And some teachers, they will glorify it. Some leaders and managers will glorify it. You know, X person can do it or I do it. And, you know, I'm checking my emails on the weekend. You know, I'm, I'm contacting students outside of teaching hours or school hours because I want to make sure that they're okay, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and when we have that mindset, when we have that culture where we give and we overgive to the point where it becomes self-sacrificial, then burnout is inevitable. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sadly, it's just. And there's another thing that I I'd noticed. So in in Haiti, and I don't know if it's the same in 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 secondary or, or you know primary schools, but there's also so because I'm a linguist, I pay attention to the words I use and you know how they make me feel. Mm. And I'd noticed that busy is one of those words. Mm. So it, you you know, you talk to colleagues in in Haiti, and the word is I'm busy. They, I'm so busy, mm. and it becomes a badge of honor. Mm. So the busier you are the more like it's it becomes this badge of honor and for me I refused I banned it out of my, mm. my vocabulary mm. because the word busy just just saying it makes me feel like that frenzy inside yeah. that like yeah. oh my god I've got all of this and yes. I can't do it you know yeah. there's a mental chatter that comes with it so do you do you feel it's the same also for 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 colleagues yes I do I think no matter where you go in education I think well, I, I say that, I mean, my daughter, she's 18 months, she goes to um, Childminder and they just seem to be really happy and really relaxed there. So <laughs> I don't know, I think maybe early years had it yeah. um, a, a lot more um, nicer, but I wouldn't want to, to say that just in case I get lynched by, you know, early years <laughs> teachers. But um, I think actually from speaking to people, speaking to teachers across the board, it's something that's pervasive throughout the profession. Um, and I think the reason why is because it's so outcome driven. Even young tender children are expected to reach certain points and you know, by, and what that translates to is teachers are supposed to make them reach certain points. So there's a lot of pressure from primary school teachers as well. And, you know, you keep on taking that up the system. And um, when you get to ex exam driven subjects, then it becomes a whole different ball game. But I definitely think that that busyness continues to be there. And um, un you, you, you were very aware of the fact that actually you didn't want to you didn't want to comply with this with this kind of norm of being being busy but for many other people they just go along with that flow and they become out of alignment with their body with their system and they burn out they become stressed they experience mental health problems physical health problems but then they still don't know how to stop or when to stop so it kind of compounds Yes, and what you described that like wanting to be to go against the grain or you know to sort of say no, I'm not doing this. Uh -huh. 
it's it's taken so so much of like me going no 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 this isn't right and I just need to stay stop and say stop and so you know since I've started my sabbatical you know and I've posted on LinkedIn many many times about this I I've really noticed that my pace is slower mm. so I've slowed down a lot more so first of all, I feel I've hopped off the hamster wheel and yeah. that's like a choice, you know, or the yeah. treadmill, whatever. Um, and and I often feel like at the minute, I feel a bit like a, a snail. So I often I, I go back and have coffee with my colleagues. Mm. I love my colleagues at uni um, and we friends, you know, there's some of them mm. I'm friends with. And the other day I felt exactly what you described with mm. like that momentum. So I really felt as I sat down to have to have lunch, many of them were coming in that place where we were in that cafe. And there was a real momentum of hurry and and like really fat, fast, fast pace. Uh, uh. And I felt like I really had to, you know, this the, the, the theory of momentum that uh. actually the fastest moving objects will take on the other objects right and drag them with them okay you felt like that I just felt like my son was talking about that that same evening okay and I was like oh that makes sense I really felt like I had a choice at that point where you're gonna take me back there as in yeah. like back into and I just had to really ground myself and go no 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 I'm not getting sucked back in this yeah 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 um, so I'd love you to 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 tell you know like the the parent listeners the young people the teachers who are listening you know how how do we first notice and how do we like cultivate or, or become more aware of that reflection piece when when we are or we are on the hamster wheel and to some extent there's a momentum yeah. going it's it's really it's not easy it's it's quite difficult and you know there's that saying that you don't know what you don't know and I think with a lot of people they don't know um and so the first step is the knowing and sometimes that comes with being exposed to people who are doing it differently being exposed to their words or their actions because we learn in a variety way of, of ways and one of those ways is through um, um, observation and imitation um, <clears throat> I think the other thing is being aware of your own physicality, of your own body, you know, um, when, when people are in pain, what we tend to do is we tend to push away the pain, we, we tend to want to disassociate and disconnect with the pain, but pain is our body's way of communicating with us, whether that's physical pain or emotional or mental distress, it's a clue that the body's given us that it's out of alignment. And so, okay, so we've got observing people and, you know, being exposed to a new way of being and thinking, and we've got reconnecting with ourselves again, reconnecting. Um, we're not just, you know, one of my lecturers used to say, we're not just a floating head, you know, it's not just about what's going on in between our ears and even then we often don't pay attention to that we also need to tune into our heart our gut our physical body and understand that we are having a full lived experience you know the whole of us and it's telling us something it's communicating with us 
Um, so if I use myself an example, when I when I first burnt out, my body was screaming at me, to be honest with you. But I wasn't paying attention because I felt that I was in control and my body had to go where I wanted it to go and do what I wanted it to do. And so I was push, push, pushing. I was in that momentum of go, go, going and do, do, doing until I couldn't anymore. Um, and my body literally broke down. And after that, my, my, my mind started to do its own thing as well. And I realized that I wasn't in control and I could have stopped that progress by noticing those initial signs, those little whispers, you know, before they start to turn into, you know, persistent knocks on the door. So definitely taking steps to um, reconnect with ourselves. Mindfulness is a, is a huge thing now. And I know that um, when, I, when I hear from other teachers, often it's not met with um, much enthusiasm. And I think partly it's because there's a real misunderstanding of what mindfulness is. Um, for me, mindfulness is about reconnecting, reconnecting with oneself, reconnecting with the external world and being present. That's where the power is. That's where the ability to choose is. Um, and so if I think about the example that you gave of when you were in the, um, the cafe, where you were very much aware and present to the experience of being pulled along by the energy. And because of that, you were able to choose. Lots of people, they don't recognize that in the moment they have that power of choice. So that's kind of the work that I do a lot with um, my clients. I really help them to slow down and um, take ownership of their moment to moment experience so that they can they can choose. Um, and with that choose, with that choice comes responsibility and it comes um, and accountability as well. So. Does that help to answer the question? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It makes it makes yeah, absolutely. And I love what you said. So I practice mindfulness myself. Yeah. Um, and I think I completely get what you're saying because because mindfulness in some settings, in some schools, and you know, with young people <laughs> is being used as a as a way to be what you describe would to be to be even more performant performance in our in our doing mm -hmm. so the sense you know one of the sense that I get and that maybe that's why some some teachers and some young people respond this way is a uh, is is this what I see in, in my research is is the the well when well-being is used as a bolt-on rather than being part of what the, the environment is. Yeah. If, if you have a flourishing environment, mm. then it's different than saying to people, do mindfulness and mm. then come back and, and we don't change any of the environment. Yeah. Um, because what happens is then people come back and it either reinforces the helplessness or it, you know, that the feeling that, oh, well, you know, this environment is not conducive to well-being or it makes you feel like I'm out of here because obviously clearly this environment is not supporting my well-being. Yes. Yeah. Um, do you do you see that in, in in the people you you work with? So do they tend to respond in in this way too? Around like a, I mean, you know, it's not a black and white, but it, no. to me, there's a bit of a. Um, I would definitely um, say it's not black and white, but 
<coughs> sorry, you do have people that fall into categories. Um, one of those categories is, you know, I'm not going to go near mindfulness at all because you're making it a my problem when it's really a your problem. And they will absolutely back away from it. Um, and what they're expecting is for the system to change with no change coming from within at all. And a lot of the times then those people, once they've reached a limit, they will, they will, they will leave. Um, sometimes you have people who can be a lot more present, a lot more aware, and through it, they build resilient skills. <laughs> I'm doing the quotation marks. They, they, you know, they develop resilience and, and scoping skills coping skills that enable them to to stay a bit longer but the I think trooper. the trooper yes yes the strong teacher um uh, but I think that they they have a particular mindset which enables them to stay within the system longer and then you've got those who mindfulness or uh, maybe not the word mindfulness, but they, they are changing the way that they are being to become more aware and more present. And so they see the system in a different way and they realize that maybe it's not the best home for them, not the best home for them, for them to flourish. And so they, they leave. Um, and I think those people, when they leave, they leave in a very, very different way from those people who have left because, you know, they've, um, they've expected the system to change and they haven't changed themselves. Um, so there's, there's a lot more resentment, I feel, um, come in from that direction. Um, so in the work that I do, because it's about empowerment, I really focus on leaving as well as you can. Um, that's, that's my thing. If you're going to leave, leave from a place of, leave from an empowered place, not from a place of resentment. When going back to my burnout experience, when I left, I, I, I left in a weird way. It was so weird because I was still very much entrenched within the culture of wanting to make a difference. And I still felt lots of guilt and shame around leaving, even though I was literally, I was walking so wounded. You know, I was, you know, I, I needed to leave, but um, I was, as I said, I was so entrenched in it. It was only when I left that, and I was like, oh my gosh, that was really not a healthy environment for me. How can I put myself through all of that? And I remember I developed such a resentment towards teaching and how it stole my health from me and, you know, um, just anybody who wanted to be become a teacher, I was like, don't go near it. Don't even think about it. <laughs> um, it. It was such an interesting experience. And I think the reason why is because it took me so long to recover. The recovery wasn't just about me recovering physically. There was definitely some trauma there for me. Uh, I actually developed a rare autoimmune condition, which took six years for me to be diagnosed. So a lot of that time was me, you know, dealing with 
symptoms I had no idea how to recover from. And as a result of that, I really did have to go inwards and start to find healing in different areas. So I wasn't relying on people to come and fix me. I had to learn how to be that advocate for myself and empower myself. So I use a lot of that learning from that time and um, that sitting with the uncertainty of will I ever be okay again? And I bring that into the work that I do with my, with my clients. I really do feel that sometimes in that, you know, that, that, and what do they call it? Um, <clears throat> that dark night of the soul that we can uncover um, our strength, that resilience, um, you know, they call it, um, what, do they, what do they call it now? Bounce forward, bounce forward instead of like bounce back, that bounce forward, ability to find um, a stronger version of ourselves. So that's basically the work that I do with, um, with teachers. I want them to become a better version of themselves, not somebody who's so reactive and, or not somebody who wants to be a victim or wait for the environment around them to change before they can experience flourishing for themselves. How do you take back ownership of your life, your happiness, your health? What can you do for yourself to create an environment where you are more likely to flourish and thrive and going back to the beginning that could be actually I recognize I need to leave now um, or maybe there's a way that I can integrate um, being a teacher with a version of myself which gives me permission to thrive and flourish. I love that because to me that is that is so powerful you know that empowerment piece is so mm. important because in in the work I do around flourishing um very often people say you know okay well it's not me it's the environment to so sort out my environment and then I'll be fine like you mm. described mm. um or you've got other people who just sort of go well it's all me and and actually and to me it's the it's the individual and the environment right yeah. it's all the, yeah. it works together and I really love what you said about the the so in in the process of my research what I've noticed with flourishing students is that they start with awareness so you know I use the flourishing model as a as a plant or a flower and so I can see that they the individual first of all is aware of of that you know who they are and how they stand in their ecosystem mm -hmm. they then understand themselves and and once you understand yourself you can show up in the world in a in a specific way mm -hmm. and it sounds to me that that's what you you're also doing in your work yeah yeah so yeah um being able to be authentic and express ourselves is also a way to nourish well-being, and you know that's something a piece that I've, that often gets overlooked. And you know, um, my company is called Aligned Flow, and I chose the name because the alignment piece is <clears throat> is foundational to creating flow and well-being. I don't know whether um, you or the listeners know the concept of flow. Um, 
but it's really the idea of just being so engrossed and so in the moment and feeling being present and enlivened by what you were what you are doing that connection piece that we we spoke about before and that really isn't a result of how busy you are you know it isn't a result of what level you get to in your career it's really comes from knowing who you are and allowing yourself to be that person warts and all um, so as I said, out of my own adversity of, of, burning, of burning out, that's what gave me permission to go down that path. And it's a, it's a continual path and I'm always learning and it's always mm -hmm. unfolding. And I'm sure that you know, when we stop ourselves from doing that because we believe that we're not good enough and we haven't reached where we're supposed to reach and all the other things that we tell ourselves, then that is an internal stressor that impacts on our, our well-being. We're holding all of that inside. It's got nowhere else to go outside of the busyness that we, we then adopt in order to try and prove that inner voice wrong. So <laughs> it's a vicious cycle. And then if you don't listen, I often say to, to my children if you don't listen to the stress it will talk to you for your body so at some point you know I often joke I've got a friend who gets he who he's really really always busy like really busy and she has like like 15 projects going and um she's self-employed and you can guarantee that every time she's on holiday she stops she's poorly Aww. and I keep saying to her that is your body going you know and now you're going to stay in bed for five days and just catch up because we really need to catch up on all the lack of sleep and the stress yeah, and everything yeah, else and I'm yeah. like really maybe you we need to I mean I'm you know I'm just pointing out that you seem to be ill a lot when you yeah. stop and pause um and and I love what you said about the you know that we're not a, a, just a brain like floating braid walking around yeah. I, I often I noticed when I went back to uni how I'd, I had a tendency to to go uh you know head take body to, to, uh, so body take head to meeting or to you know, <laughs> it's just that, I love this, that. this behavior you know like or, or or drive to work like treat my body <laughs> like it was my car um and not really caring for it and then and then suddenly you have like aches and pains and you just go oh okay yeah yes, yeah yeah so I think oh, it's a difficult one um the education system as it is I'm not sure how it can truly integrate well-being in the true sense of the word I know that there are places pockets that you know are really trying to to do this and are leading the way but until human capital is seen as more than a resource then you know it's it's really going to be difficult it, it, it's going to feel a lot like a, a checkbox activity um yeah and i don't know <laughs> it's um 
one of the things I mean I've recently I recently returned back to work after maternity leave and during my maternity I started a master's in applied positive psychology and coaching psychology and so um I was really excited about going back into work and sharing, you know, a lot of the things I'd learning, I had been learning, um, maybe setting up a project around staff well-being. But as soon as I got in, it dawned on me that it would be a near enough an impossible, um, in, in, impossible project to do, simply because of the of the system and and the culture and with my very limited time as a as a mum and you know working part-time it's there seemed to be so many so many obstacles including the staff who were you know I, I don't have time for this I don't have time for for well-being so I I have thought about actually how can we how can we change things so that the teachers who want to stay in education are given a fighting chance to do that? Um, and as you said, it's not just about the teachers changing or just about the system changing. It's the two things coming together. When the onus is put on, well, teachers, you need to change, then without them getting the support that they need, it's going to be very difficult and when teachers expect the system to change, well, we can see where that's heading, can't we? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, absolutely. And to me, when I hear you, I hear you say, you know, teachers saying, "I haven't got time," I really—that's why I kept saying to my to, to to my colleagues, you know, people I work with, um, put your oxygen mask on first. Like, there's no way you can give to anybody. And that's partly why I said I need to year out because I knew that I had I was completely depleted. Mm. And I often say, you know, when when my duties came in in my office to talk about their problems, and then they'd leave, and then I'd go, "You don't know the meaning of stress." When they've left, I'm like, "Right, time to just grab my handbag and go home because I've obviously completely." <laughs> given so much time. yeah there's nothing left right I've got no empathy for these people <laughs> no compassion <laughs> that's how teaching is though I mean you you are giving so much all the time and there's an interesting article that I read um around the lack of supervision within the teaching profession in other professions where you are helping where you are giving where you're supposed to show empathy and compassion you have regular supervision in order to offload, in order to get support. Um, but you're given space. You're given an allocated period of time each week or how, whenever it is that you go into supervision. But you're not given that in teaching at all. I mean, outside of your NQT year where maybe you meet your line manager for an hour each week, um, that doesn't happen. No, this, uh, like you said like before, there's so much of going on, isn't there? That that, mm -hmm. that is seen as an a surplus, like a yeah. surplus to requirement when it should be the opposite. That should come first. So for me, it's like flourishing lifelong learner. 
forget if you don't have the flourishing piece there's no lifelong learning right this is it you can forget everything else if you're in survival or in in languishing Um, definitely so I guess part of the work that I do is working with my clients to integrate well-being even if it's in in a small way in their world, how can they create well-being mm-hmm. for themselves? Um, and it looks it looks different for different people. Mm-hmm. But with that ownership, it opens it, it opens up opportunities. And I think for me, that's the most important thing. The education system, I don't think, is going to change anytime soon. And so we're left with the option of waiting or you know reclaiming back our power yeah i agree and so i wanted to explore one last thing with you that you said which is um you know you're you're empowering uh teachers to create a a life that loves them back Mm. so i would like you to describe to us what that looks like what we see what we feel what we hear when we have a life that loves us back I think it goes back to that alignment piece again you know um who are you what do you stand for what do you value what makes you feel joy what makes you feel excited what makes you happy what enriches you what nourishes you when we know those things about ourselves then we can create a life that loves us back so it's the self-awareness and then making choices that are aligned with that self-awareness and that could be knowing when to say no I know that's a hard one for so many teachers knowing when to say no it could be that something is not aligned with your values what you stand for anymore um so an example could be that i know many teachers complain that education system is becoming a lot more like a business now and um that's not why they got into education so it's clashing with a value system that they hold what people often don't recognize is when we make decisions that clash with our value system that causes us internal distress which can impact our well-being so making that choice of okay this these are the values that I hold and this is what I know about myself to be true and what's important to me and then making a decision that's in alignment with who we know that we are that's empowerment that gives us the ability to to choose to create in alignment or to accept go with that you know with the momentum go with the flow and just accept what is but then we will we will begin to notice that we're not living in a place of peace we're not living in contentment we're not living in joy it's harder to feel gratitude it's harder to feel compassion you know all those good things that make life worth living just simply knowing ourselves more can help us to create a life that feels good for us a life that loves us back and when you say alignment, so for me, when I hear the word alignment, I think, right, okay, not just my head that 
like has all the answers mm. but actually tapped into my heart and my gut yeah that's how I, vi- I I would visualize that yeah do you would you would you describe it differently no 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 I remember I wrote a post on LinkedIn when I first started getting serious about LinkedIn I wrote an article actually it wasn't a post um it was an article I'll probably um share the link with you but it was definitely it spoke around that you know um head heart and gut and how true alignment is not just listening to the head not just listening to the gut not just listening to the heart um, looking at how they interact with each other and what it is that what it is that they're saying, um, that reconnection again, that reconnection piece that I that I spoke about. Um, life is hard, you know. Um, there are so many things going on. We're in the middle of a pandemic still, you know. <laughs> news about another strain, and um, there's so much going on. I think having the ability and the power to just take the edge off for ourselves is so powerful to build our own immunity as well you know yes we can take supplements and we can eat right but we we are an energy body so you know our our emotions our thoughts um, it all comes into play in helping us to build resistance to, to stress and, you know, it, it go even a little bit deeper pathogens as well. Um, and it could and it could also be the reason why so many teachers do fall sick outside of the, you know, the fact that we're, we're living on adrenaline and caffeine all the time. <laughs> you know, it could also be the fact that we're just not nourishing ourselves from within you know our our psychological our psychic energy you know everything that comes everything that comes with us naturally to help protect ourselves we're not boosting that we're not giving ourselves enough to um enough time to experience the fullness of what that means such an amazing conversation florence i could speak to you for hours Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> um, to wrap up, I always ask my guests if there's one, you know, what I say one thing, it doesn't have to be one thing, it's not prescriptive, but what would what for you that stands out from this conversation that you would want our listeners to take away from our conversation? What would it be? That you have more power than you realize. You you have more power than you realize, and it's it's important to recognize that because you can choose to shape how your tomorrow looks by being aware now you can impact what tomorrow looks like and that's that's all I try to do with my clients really just give them their power back so that they can create that life and as I said for some people that looks like um leaving and starting something else and that's what I work with a lot of my clients with but for some people even if they do want to start something else they might be happy to remain part-time in teaching because they're being nourished by that thing outside and they can give back and they want to give back um yeah amazing thank you so much you're welcome Fabian. <laughs> yeah thank you
Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. You can also reach me via Twitter at FlourishingHE on LinkedIn or you can join our private Facebook group, Flourishing Education. All the links are easily available on anchor.fm. Thank you so much and I hope you are flourishing. Bye for now.